0: Well, good morning. My name is Tim, and I am going to be your interim interim. I have to say, I've never been one of those before. This is my beautiful wife, Cindy. Before we get into uh, all the spiritual stuff, we have to talk one thing about one thing, because we're from Houston, Texas. What?
1: Okay, can you guys... There we go. (laughs) All right, so how many of you saw the Grand Slam last night? Oh, a few. Okay, well, you know, um, Houston is great for overcoming adversity, and uh, we're now two and two, so... But I wasn't always from Houston, and maybe this will get a few more claps. How many of you are... The Reds fans, all right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm originally from Ohio, so maybe some Ohio State fans out there. All right, well, we'll have to live with that. Um, So um, yeah, when I was a little girl, we would get to go to the Reds games because uh, I was a good student and if you got straight A's on your report card, they gave you free tickets to the Reds games. So I got to watch Pete Rose and Johnny Bench, and now I'm showing my age, but it was a great season for the Reds, and um, you know, maybe they'll pick it back up again one day, but um, we've really enjoyed watching Houston, and like I said, Houston has kind of overseen some adversity with Harvey and Imelda and different things, and last night was a moment in history that will never again be repeated, right? Just like we're standing in a moment in history that we'll look back on and say that was the day that we began a new work in this church. Amen.
0: Amen. And uh, that is in part why, why we're here. I was telling we had a staff meeting great last night and I was sharing with them a story. Uh, I was riding in my car um, and was contemplating talking to the Lord as I do and as I was riding in my car, and I was thinking about uh, this assignment. At the time, was just kind of potential. It wasn't yet inked. And as I was riding in the car, uh, it was like the Lord was saying to me, Tim, is there, any, is there any child of mine, any person, that I would just let go of? No matter what their life has been like. Well, of course not, Lord. And then he said to me, so why would I do that to my church? God's not done with us. He's not let go of us, and God wants to do something greater through us in the future than He's ever done in the past, because that, that, that's God's direction. So we're here to uh, help you uh, and to help us all find that sense of God's call in our life right here in this moment want to begin today we're going to be we're continuing this series uh, the one another statements i'm going to approach it from a slightly different angle there's a picture on the screen that uh, is a picture from a cruise that my wife and I took in 1999. Never been on a cruise. We were living in Florida at the time. Decided it was an anniversary. You know, anniversary, got to spend a little money. So we decided to go on a cruise. And the picture that you see here is a picture of my wife and I. We joined, uh, we entered this um, selling race. And as you can see from the picture, we're holding up number ones. We won that day. Never won a selling race in my life before, but on that day, we did. You notice I'm also wearing an Arkansas Razorback hat. No haters, please. The Razorbacks won something. We haven't won anything else in a long time, but that day a Razorback won something. So here's an interesting backstory. My wife and I were on this cruise, and we're leaving from Fort Lauderdale, and we jump on the cruise. We're heading out to sea, and the, over the loudspeaker comes this announcement, and the, and the captain of the ship says that there's a hurricane brewing in. The, the uh, Eastern Caribbean, we're going to have to detour the route. That was when Hurricane Dennis was forming out past the Bahamas. So that cruise on that particular day, we cruised from Fort Lauderdale around to Key West and back. That's, that's all we did. So it was all, all the time in the boat. And to make everyone happy, they offered some, some classes and some various contests that we could do. And so my wife and I were looking at the list of things, and I decided I was going to go play a little ping pong, She a little basketball. She was going to go back to her stateroom, and she was going to take a nap. Now, my wife is a very good napper. It's It's a spiritual gift that she has. I see it at work in our lives a lot. She's very good at it. So she was going to go back and do what she was good at, and I was going to go do other things, and then we were going to meet later at a particular ballroom, and we were going to take salsa dancing lessons together. I mean, what better thing to do on a cruise than take salsa dancing uh, lessons together, right? So we go do our thing, and I get to the salsa ballroom, and my wife's not there. She's running a little bit late. Not an unusual thing, so I'm just sitting there, I'm just thinking, I'm thinking. Finally, the class begins to start, and the, and the instructor says, okay, everybody, come on in, and we're going to start salsa lessons. So here I am, solo, but I decided, hey, I took the time to be here. I'm going to get credit for this. So I decided I'm going to take the salsa dancing lessons by myself. So they begin, and, and you know, the whole salsa thing, da-da-da-da, you know, we're doing all this, that's about all I learned was this. And so we're done with the lesson. And I'm sitting over in a comfortable leather chair, and they're beginning to have the first free dance kind of session together. And so this lady walks over to me, because I'm sitting by myself, and this lady walks over to me. Her name was Betty. I will never forget Betty. Betty was a wonderful person. Betty could have played linebacker for the Miami Dolphins, but Betty was a wonderful person. So Betty says, hey, would you dance with me? And I'm like, my wife's not here. I learned how to dance I'm going to dance. So I get on the dance floor and, and Betty and I start salsa and about 30 seconds into the salsa Betty literally does this. She goes, "Oh! I can't do anymore." So that was it. 30 seconds of salsa dancing for Tim West. So I go and I sit back down, waiting on my wife. The dance ends. And now this guy walks over, a good-looking guy, walks over to me. And he says, "Would you mind dancing?" I was nervous with my sister look around no wife all right I'll dance with I'll dance with your sister I learned how to dance so we get up and we get on the dance floor And I walk over to where his sister was now his sister was young 20s and, and I'm not exaggerating when I say she could have been voted Miss Royal Caribbean so you get the picture young she's Latina she's beautiful we're on a cruise. So we start doing the salsa. You know, we're doing this, we're doing this, and, and all of a sudden, I am not kidding you, this Miss, Miss Royal Caribbean, she starts doing things that I've never seen before. I mean, She's doing this and this and, and this, and, and I'm sitting there and I'm dancing like this. Now remember, I'm trying to be very delicate here. We're on a cruise. And we're dancing. And she's doing all of this, so all I'm doing is I'm just looking and I'm saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Would anyone guess when my wife walked in? (laughs) She didn't walk in on Miss Betty. She walks in on Miss Royal Caribbean. So I'm looking, I see her walking in the door, and I'm doing the salsa, so I start moonwalking right out the back door. I learned a very important marital lesson, a very important life lesson. Timing is everything. And it's true, timing is everything in life. You make an investment. You make it one day and you time the market right, your investment sails upward. If you time it wrong, it goes down. My wife and I had purchased, when we came back from the mission field, we had purchased a house in, in Lakeland, Florida, where we were pastoring at the time. And uh, this was just before the, the crash in 08, we were being assigned, uh, being moved to Texas and, and we couldn't sell our house, so for two years the timing for us was, was very bad. Sometimes uh, the timing is such that you're running a little bit late and you're frustrated because you're not getting to where you need to get on time and just as you go, just before you get to the intersection there was an accident and you say to yourself, maybe you've done this before, you say, gosh, if we'd been running on time we might have been in that accident. Timing. Timing is important in life. And God knows that that's the case. You see, time's an interesting concept, and I want to take a few moments, and, and I don't want to get too obtuse with this, but I think it's important that we understand this, this concept of time. See, when we look at the idea of time, there, there's this sense in which time is temporal. That means it exists right now. It's temporal. It's, it's in the moment. That's when God spoke in Genesis 1-1 and time for the world came to be. God said in the beginning. And he spoke things into existence. But we also know as Christians, as believers, that time is eternal, that, that God is from everlasting to everlasting. So, so time is, has a beginning for us as humans, but for God, time is everlasting. We also know that some people in this world teach that time is cyclical. Hinduism and and Buddhism and, and other um, religions teach that, that time is, is like this wheel that, that goes back and forth. And, and I've spent time in, in Asia and had an opportunity to spend a month in India among Hindu people. And the concept of time for them is, is, has less value because they know if, if they don't do something well now... They're going to come back maybe less than they were or greater than they were. But this sense of time is different. But for you and I, time, we view, as Christians, we view time as linear. That time has a beginning, Genesis 1.1. And that time is going to go on forever into eternity. The Bible also talks about time in a very unique way. It uses two words, two Greek words. The first word is chronos. The second word is is Kairos. I've got a little chart on the screen for you that might help us to kind of understand the, the difference between these two concepts of Kronos and Kairos. See, Kronos is, is what we call chronological time. It's, this, it's the sequence of moments, whereas Kairos is sacred moments. And stay with me for a minute. We're going to get there. There's this other sense of time. It's called quotidian. Now, that's a, I had to put the word in because quotidian is a great word to say. That's just so much fun. But it means this sense of what is usual. It's the the normal routine of life. Whereas kairos means something that is unusual. It's it's a season of life. Kronos is a duration of time. Whereas kairos is significance of the moment. It's quantitative versus qualitative. It's clock-telling time versus seizing the day. It's ordinary time versus God's time. There's these two senses of time that is used in the Scripture. See, the Bible tells us that it's good for us to number our days. That's this chronos time. It's this time that we live in. It's It's the shell, if you will, of our existence. But kairos are those special moments. Those special moments that stand out from the ordinary. Those special moments when God wants to work and do something incredible, amazing, astounding. You see, the word kairos has a relationship to another Greek word called kara. Kara is a Greek word for head. And what it means is a kairos moment is this moment when when life comes to a head and it requires a decision. Now in the Scriptures, I'll give you a few examples real quickly of what this, this decisive moment looked like, this kairos moment looks like. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Jesus is talking, He says, the time has come, He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What Jesus is saying is that in this ordinary quotidian length of time, Jesus says, I am breaking in. The kingdom of God is breaking in to your life right now. In this moment, this this kairos is special. It's significant and it's powerful. Jesus later chastised the religious leaders because he said this in Matthew 16.3. He says, in the morning, today will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. What's he saying? He's saying, you, you do not know how to understand what is happening Right here, in this moment in your society, it's unveiled right before your eyes. You can see it, you can hear it, you can feel it, you can touch it. But he's saying to these religious leaders, you've become so dulled to the spiritual realities around you that while you can understand the weather, you can't understand the spiritual condition of the people of your nation. Galatians 6-9 is another verse, and I take a lot of encouragement from this verse. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if you do not give up. Paul is saying that, that you work and you work and you work. And it, seem, it may seem like, or it may feel like you're never getting a reward. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you're doing something and, and, and nothing is resulting from it, that the results are, are minimal, the accomplishments are none? I remember... Um, a Sunday school teacher I had years ago, the very first church I was in as a Christian. I remember her name. It was Emily. She was a great Sunday school teacher. We became very close. She taught me the Bible. And she had a husband who was unsaved. And I remember almost every Sunday, she would go down to the altar and she would pray for him. She would call him out by name. I remember there were times when she'd be crying at the altar and people would be around her. And I was a young Christian in high school. I didn't understand what was going on, but she was praying for him. And she prayed for him for 10 years, week after week after week after week after week for 10 years. But God says, let us not weary in well-doing for in the proper time, for in that kairos moment, we will reap a harvest. If we do not give up. I remember the night. It was a Sunday night. When her husband. Unexpectedly showed up for work. Or, or for church. He walked in. He sat down. And it wasn't a large church. We all looked over at him. And we were surprised. We could not believe. He was there. But he showed up. And that night. When the altar call was given. Ten years of prayer. By a faithful wife. Was realized. Was realized in his salvation, in that moment, that kairos moment, it was a moment of celebration and rejoicing. You see, for us as Christians, time is not just sand slipping through the hourglass, but but the time that we have is the time that we make right here. Now just just go with me for just a moment on this, just one more moment. If we think of this stage as, as the linear time of of the earth that we've lived on. Let's just say that this is Genesis chapter one. This is when God spoke and the earth came into being. And let's say on the other side of the stage is the moment when Jesus is going to come back and redeem us. Now over here, down here is... Uh, you know, and down here is Abraham, is call, and here's Moses, and, you know, here's David, and we're cycling through it. Here's Jesus, and, and here's Paul, and, and, and here's the early church, and we're cycling through all of this. This is time that is marching on. It's, it's this linear sense of time that we live in, and it's moving forward. We're numbering our days, we're moving towards when Jesus comes back, and God is at work in all of this. And somewhere on this timeline, I'll just say here for the moment. Right here, right here on this line is when Tim West gave his life to Christ. It was in this sacred moment when God called me and He did something in me. Now here's, what, here's an interesting thing that the Scripture says about living in the Kairos moment. You see, when you and I say moment, we think about something that just happens in a, in a very short burst of time. Maybe a few minutes, maybe a couple of hours, maybe a couple of days. But here's what God is looking at because He sees time in similarly to us but in a much broader swath. What He says is at this moment when Tim West was saved, at this Kairos moment, I am now not just living in this sense of linear time. I am. I'm counting my days. In fact, right now, to this day, I, I counted it up, I've lived 20,128 days. makes me feel really old to say that. That's how long I've lived. But I got saved. And what the Bible says is, yes, you're living in all of these kinds of days, the 20,000 days. But there's also this special sequence of time in life where you're now living as a believer. And this is now the special moment that we live in. And it's not just that moment when I was saved, but it's the—it's the—it's that I was saved in May of 1980. So I didn't count this up. How many years would I be a Christian now? Is anyone good at math? 1980 to almost 2020, almost 40 years, isn't it? 39 years, 39 years, 39 years and four months as a believer. And all of that time, God meant was to be special and sacred. What's interesting from our text is it tells us how to live in those moments. See, Paul says, and we won't go back and revisit the text itself, but Paul says that we are children of the light. And that we are to walk in wisdom. And as we're walking in wisdom, we are to bring light into a world of darkness because that is is our special call in this world. Yes, we go to work, we, we go eat, we go play soccer, we go play football, we go do whatever it is that we do, but there is something sacred and special about the way we're living our lives. And Paul says, if you look at the text, he gives us a number of examples of what that looks like. He says we're to live in goodness. We're to live in righteousness, truth, obedience. He says we're to live in an awareness of the time around us. And he uses another phrase. He says we're to live in the spirit empowered or what is called the animated life. What does that mean? Here's what it means. When Jesus comes into us, we receive the Holy Spirit who is a part of us and our life is to be substantially and substantively Different. So we're living in the spirit. Now, what's interesting is when in Paul. Now, Paul doesn't use this language. I'm going to use 21st century language, but Paul likens people who are not in Christ as living this routine, automaton kind of life. So so here's how, if Paul were living today, here's what he would say. Paul would say that that people who don't know Christ, even if they have a good life, even if they're doing a lot of things, spiritually speaking, their life is like they're they're living in like a zombie. Paul doesn't use the word zombie, but he uses a word that's not far from that. I think it's a good illustration just before Halloween. We're like zombie life. But Paul says that when we come to Christ, that the Spirit animates us and moves us from this kind of zombie-like existence to this existence where there's energy and there's power and there's fruitfulness and, and we demonstrate all of the things that are here. And when we do, we can live out of this thankful posture. You see, God doesn't want us to allow time to pass by unimproved. God puts you here to be an improvement. You may not feel like it. You may not think this is true of you. You may not believe it about your spouse or other family members. But God put you here to be an improvement. But you say, but, but, but Pastor Tim, you don't realize this, but I am a work that very much needs improvement. So how can I be an Improvement to anything or anyone around me. Because you have Jesus. Did you know Jesus is a, a little bit of Jesus? I mean, just a, just a small dilution of Jesus is powerful because He goes a long way. It just takes a little bit of Jesus to go a long way. And so as we're living in this moment, He wants us to be an improvement. Now you're saying that this is a one another series, so, so what is the one another statement here? That's very interesting. In fact, I think it's, it's kind of amazing. And I'll be truthful with you, in all the years that I've preached the Scripture, I've never preached, I've never once spoken about this verse that I can recall. But as I reread this text, I'm like, wow, I, I don't know how I missed that all these years. See, here we are living in this, in this, in this time, This special moment of time called a Kairos time. And we're trying to do our best. We're we're trying to be the best we can. We're trying to make improvements. But the world we live in is tough and it's dangerous. And so in Ephesians 5.19, Paul writes these words. He says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Now, anytime we see the word psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, we automatically think of worship, and so we should. But notice what Paul is not saying in this text. He doesn't say speaking or singing them to God. He says speaking to one another. Sometimes when we use the word worship, we only think it relates to this vertical relationship. But it's horizontal. Horizontal. What Paul is saying is that through our speaking to one another, through our singing to one another, we are able to help us get further down the track in these special moments of life. There's an interesting quote, Pliny, who was a... he was a, Actually, he wrote a, one of the very first biological uh, encyclopedias of the world, and, and most modern encyclopedias are based on his format. He wrote a note to Trajan, who was a Roman emperor. Remember the Romans, this was around the first, at the end of the first century. Romans hated Christians, they were persecuting Christians, and these Christians were becoming this, this thorn in the flesh of Roman government. And so Pliny wrote this note, I think it's really interesting. He's speaking of Christians, he says, they are wont on a fixed day to meet before daylight to avoid persecution, That's, that was true. And this is what they would do, he says, and they would write, recite a hymn among themselves, by turns, to Christ, as if Christ were God. What was taking place? In this very hostile, dark world, where Christians were having a hard time thriving socially, they were thriving spiritually, but having a hard time thriving socially, they would meet together every day before the sun came up. And what would they do? They would speak to one another in hymns, songs, and spiritual songs. And that would be their encouragement. Now let me say say this, and let me go a little bit further with, with this. When we're facing difficult times, whether it's personally or as a church, one of the tools that God gives us for the repair of our soul is a song. He gives us a song. There have been times in my life when some difficult things were happening. I mean, the devil was, was on me. He was right, he, the devil was riding me like a, like a quarter horse. Life was, was, was tough. Things were happening. Church was tough. Whatever was going on. And, and God would use a song to lift me up. I mean, could you imagine if we're together and we're, we're feeling the pressure... And someone just starts singing, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound That saved a wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I bet you felt that. I bet you felt it because our emotions and our trials are connected to song. My wife and I were missionaries in Australia. And the aboriginal people are from Australia. My wife, in fact, did some of her doctoral research on, on, on those who lived in New Zealand as well as the Maoris as well. And she, we, we talked to folks who were aboriginal. There's an interesting thing about aboriginal life is, is they don't, they don't, they're not literate in the way that you and I are literate, at least historically speaking. But what they did have was they had a song. Now it's interesting because the the, the song had had this this phrase that they call, sometimes they call it a song line, sometimes they call it a dream track. But here's what's so interesting about that, is their songs are related to important places and moments in their history. And these songs are passed down from generation to generation because there might be a song that tells you where a waterhole is. And this song is sung so that when they're in the desert and they need to find water, they can sing this song. And the song takes them to the waterhole. Or if they need to go to a sacred place to worship, there's a song about the sacred place. And the song carries them, as it were, on the, on the notes and the lyrics to that very special place. And when they get there, they, can, they, have, their, they have their journey completed. That's why in the movie Australia, which, which I love, there's a young man called Nola, and he uses this phrase over and over in the movie to Nicole Kidman, who is, uh, he calls Mrs. Boss, and, and he says, I sing you to me, Mrs. Boss. I sing you to me. Because they recognize this power of song, and, and we in the church, we sometimes fail to catch that. Now, sometimes we have, uh, we have people who get it. I mean, I've been in worship services, and I've seen a couple of you here today, Man, when when we start worshiping, you're not a one-hander. I've some folks in here. You're not even a two-hander. I mean, you're like a you're like a whole. You're like two hands, two feet. You're just all in. Some of you are raising hands, and and then some of us guys were sitting there going, "Wow, we want to sing." <coughs> it's a power of song that God gives us. <coughs> Excuse me. Sacred moments that God gives us <coughs> are for us. God wants us to enjoy and to appreciate those sacred moments. He gives, them, gives us to them so that we can love him and serve him better. So to live in this kairos moment, this, this special moment of God, we have to be ready to sense him. And church, I want to say to you this morning as we just wrap up, I want to say to you, That this moment we live here, right now, this moment in Pathway Church, somehow your life has intersected with this church so that you are right here at this moment. And I am telling you, it is not an accident. You are here for a reason. God has a purpose. He is trying to call you out of this, this quotidian, this usual amount of time that you live in, This zombie-like state that sometimes we walk in. And He's calling us and He's breaking forth from heaven down to us at this moment. Calling us to live in this moment. Because this moment is powerful. It's painful for some. It's confusing for others. It's uncertain and unstable for some. But it's God's moment. And He wants you to walk in it. He wants you to live in it. So how can you live in a Kairos moment? Let me just give you a couple of examples. One thing you can do is you, like Jesus did into your life, you can break into the life of someone else with a kind deed. You can do something that totally surprises someone, and it takes them back, and it becomes their Kairos moment when God is speaking to them through you. It's also possible that what you could do to someone that is struggling is you can sing them a song. I'm not saying that you literally go up and you literally sing to them a song because the word can mean speaking, it can mean addressing, it can mean calling forth. But the Scriptures want you to go and encourage one another. In Sunday school classes, in small groups, in the hallway, in the cafe, when you're on the phone with one another, when you meet one another at the, at the Walmart or the Target, when, you, when you're sitting with one another over a meal, use that moment to, to speak into them hope and encouragement. Speak into them the energy, the animation of God into their life. And the last thing is to recognize that maybe now is your Kairos moment. Second Corinthians 6.2 says this, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. God says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Here's what God is saying to every one of us right now in this Kairos moment God is calling you forth right now, calling you forth to a new place of existence. He is challenging you to take new steps. He's challenging you to assume new responsibilities. He's challenging you to give in ways you've never given. He's challenging you to serve in ways you've never served. Because now is this Kairos moment that God wants to use you and do something amazing. Now I recognize in our crowd this morning that there may be some folks here who have never in their life experienced Jesus. Maybe this is your first time here. And God has prompted you to be here for whatever reason you know not. But you're here. It's possible that some of us in this room have been here for a while and we have never yet fully surrendered to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, in all the love that I can muster, we'll never experience life to its fullest. Life as God meant it to be unless we surrender to him. We'll never get there. My brother or sister, all the money in the world can't buy it. You can't buy it. No new relationship will manufacture it. There is nothing you can do on your own to get you to that place where you need to be. And you know you need to be there. You just haven't yet made that step. So here's what I'm going to ask us to do in in the next few moments. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me and I'm going to to say a prayer. And this prayer is sometimes called the sinner's prayer. I don't really like that phrase so much. I like the accepting God prayer. Creating a new life prayer. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads in a moment. I'm going to pray that prayer and I want you to pray it with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it under your breath. You can whisper it. But if you've never received Christ and you're ready to receive Him, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer. And as you pray that prayer... Trust that God is coming into your life. And if He does, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And if you feel that that has happened and you want to come and pray, you can come to an altar down here on my right, your left. Someone will be there to pray with you. For some of you, you may want to come to this altar on the left. That's a place where you can come and you can pray for this church. You can pray for this, your life. You can pray for whatever it is that God has placed on your heart, whatever is happening in your moment, however God is speaking to you you can come and pray. We have places for us to pray, and if you don't pray there, would you pray where you're sitting? And as we sing, remember we're singing not just to God, but to each other. So bow your heads with me. For those who have yet to receive Christ, or maybe you have and you've walked away and and you just want to reaffirm your commitment, pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I realize this morning that You are God. I also realize, Lord, that I have not lived the way You would want me to. And I've come to realize, God, that this is not right. And so, Lord, I ask You to forgive me of all my sins. And that You would cleanse me and make me right with You. Lord, I also know that You rose again to eternal life. And because You rose, I can too rise from the grave of my sins. Right now, Lord Jesus, in this moment, I give you my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have to you. In Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Let's sing this song. And if you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to come over here and pray with somebody. If you've got another thing you'd like to pray for healing, come over there and pray. But let's just, let's pray together. Let's sing together in this moment.
2: You want but...
3: Us that you never leave us or forsake us. Thank you, Lord, that you're in this moment right now. Thank you, Lord, that you're calling us to recognize this time. We're here to recognize this time in our lives and in the life of this church, Lord. We thank you for how faithful you've been to us. Lord, even when we've stumbled and fallen, Even when we feel like we're in the darkest pit, you are right there with us. And you are faithful and we can trust you. And your love is perfect. And your grace is available. Thank you, Lord, for how you're moving and working. Lord, we surrender and submit to you. And thank you for how you've changed us. Lord, there might even be people in this room that their lives just got changed forever. And we give you praise and thanks for that. And I pray for boldness. I pray for conviction. I pray that we would follow you, that we wouldn't follow our emotion or how we think or our ideas or our concepts. But Lord, we would follow hard after you and what you're saying. Thank you, Lord. For being our Savior and our leader and the lover of our souls. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Give Him praise.